I'm Adam Hergenrother, and this is Business Meets Spirit Chatted. We believe in personal growth through business success. Today, I am joined by my chief of staff, Hallie. Hallie, good morning. Um, I have a, you can probably hear it. Can you yeah. hear it in the oh, yeah. voice? Yeah, I have like these allergies. And you know what the funny thing is about this is that I've never really gotten allergies before. And uh, over the last couple of years, maybe that I'm getting into my 30s, um, <laughs> it's... <laughs> <laughs> to my 40s I should just turn 40s let's yes. not let's not over exaggerate into my you 40s and just, 40s. I mean or late 30s it's kind of the same thing right it's just plus or minus six months so I mean it's like a plus or minus Numbers don't lie though they don't but I mean it's like late 30s could also potentially be it could, I mean I they couldn't they couldn't I mean world, that's yeah. true math doesn't really lie that way but anyway so ever since I got a little bit older the the allergies um have crept in and for some reason this year they're really bad but it's funny because it's not like a sinus thing uh it's more of just like my throat and when you speak all the time <laughs> it's frustrating it's like we're in like a, a room like some of our um our accountants who are you know not having to jump on and speak as much but when you're here so i'm just letting everybody know that my voice is a little raspy so you're gonna have to bear with me for that one but today I want to jump in on a conversation of, we had, uh, we wrapped up project you a couple of weeks ago and we had a couple of guest speakers, but one of them was the, uh, his name is Mike Smith. Uh, you should actually look him up if you, if you haven't, he's a, he's a, he was a Navy SEAL, which always kind of checks the box for me because of his mental fortitude that he had, but also he was, he's been the CEO of private and public companies too. Uh, he was the guy, by the way, who they always called to come in and fix companies, right? He actually didn't enjoy, it's really interesting. I, I tried to, I don't know if you remember, I tried to hire him. Remember back in Colchester, mm -hmm. back, he came into my office and I tried to hire him for actually oh, for UPI. Oh, yes. yes, we did. And, yes. uh, he actually walked in, he said, you know, Adam, he goes, everything sounds good, but he's like, I think you're just doing too well. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, I really, I come into companies that are a complete mess yeah. and I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but like, that's essentially what they were like turnaround bankruptcies. Right. Like, and he's done some really big turnarounds in our, in our area, um, uh, which, you know, colleges, Comcast was one of them. Right. So a lot of like those bigger things. Then most recently it was really interesting for him. He jumped on, uh, the governor called him to become the director of secretary of human services, secretary of human services, which At he oversees end of 2019 is yes. when he took the position. Yeah. And he was overseeing 3,800 people. And he said in the first three months, then of course, you know, COVID, COVID hit yeah. and pandemic hit and Vermont led the country and a lot of the stats that people were measuring it. And they're in their one, two or three and just about every single stat, which is pretty cool. And it was fun to talk to you about that. But the real purpose of bringing him up is he came and he spoke to our group. And one of the things he said, which really resonated with me, there's actually two things, but um, the first one was he was describing a leadership philosophy. And I think this is really important for a leadership philosophy for not only business, but for your life. And that's kind of how I can really see it. Um, is he, he basically said in the Navy SEALs, you're taught when you're in an ambush. So if you're in a firefight of some sort, you don't want to retreat. So meaning like if somebody comes in, you're walking into an ambush and all of a sudden the natural tendency for people is to retreat. But he said a lot of times there is a second ambush waiting um, because that's what naturally people do is they fall back or retreat and, and the enemy expects it and the enemy kind of expects it. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Right. Um, the second component is that, uh, when, so really, so that's what you don't want to do is and his title of this kind of leadership philosophy was always charge the ambush. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's a great metaphor for our lives for in any aspect that we're doing. Always charge the ambush. We said the minute you charge an ambush, it kind of catches them by surprise in terms of the Navy SEALs, right? Like they're not expecting it. So they're like, wow, what's actually happening here? Um, and then the third component to it is, is once you actually make it through the ambush, you're in the clear. And I thought that was a really good metaphor for our lives. Generally. Generally, right? Yes. Because how many, and this can go from everything from a conversation you need to have to a employee that you need to have a conversation with or a hire or dehire, um, a conversation you need to have in your personal life. How many of these ambushes are we retreating from and then constantly thinking about them over and over again? What was your takeaway when you heard that? Well, I mean, when you don't, for me, it's just that you have to face whatever your, whatever obstacle is in front of you, whatever your struggle is head on. That's, that's how yeah. I took it. And every time you retreat from it, um, other obstacles tend to pop up, whether that's just more anxiety. If you're not facing a conversation, um, you, you don't have as much clarity because you're worrying about something that you should be doing, but you just haven't faced it yet. So then it takes up all this headspace and, um, time and energy that you didn't really need. If, if you had just gone towards that ambush or gone towards that op- obstacle and faced it head on and, and, and really moved, moved through it, you don't need to necessarily you don't want to stop there, right? You got to, you got to move, keep moving through it. Yeah. It's like, you just want to, I kind of want to get a t-shirt because I love t-shirts anyways. It just says charge the ambush. I think you emailed I me that. that. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did yeah. put it out there. It's like, always charge the ambush. Always charge the ambush. And that's just a good metaphor for your life in terms of, again, when you're also in, and think about it, like when you go into charging the ambush, you kind of have to let go of the outcome. So that's the other technique that you have to be able to bring in here because a lot of reasons why people wouldn't charge an ambush is um, obviously they don't want the threat of dying in like mm-hmm. in that type of situation. But in more like practical situations because we're not probably in seals and ambushes is like we we are we're afraid of an outcome or how we're going to feel from charging this ambush mm-hmm. and so instead it's actually a very good spiritual path too because the minute you charge an ambush you're actually going into it you're allowing the event to unfold and, and work its way through you so that it's actually moved through you instead of like you said retreating from it or pretending that it doesn't exist it's like you're pushing the event back down mm-hmm. but how often how does it doesn't work it works for a moment temporarily and yeah. then it comes back over and over again it's like beating you up worse way worse yeah. and then and then it gets to a point where it's like man this has gone on so long that i don't even want to have this conversation how do i even have it anymore and then you get even more into it so it just delays and delays and delays people can do this with their health they can do this with their businesses. They can do this with their personal lives, all these different things that are going on here. People have this, uh, this natural reaction to not want to charge the ambush. But I think if you're always willing to, to look at what, whatever is head on for you and go right into it, then regardless of the outcome, you're in the clear because every time you guys don't need to be a psychologist to understand this. Think about a time that you've faced something head on, even if it was really scary and you did it really with First of all, the outcomes usually is never as bad as we've dreamed it up in our minds first, right? It just usually isn't. Well, yeah. And similarly, I was just going to say, and it's all the worst part is the anxiety and the yes. stress and the worry and fear leading up to whatever it is that you're going to do. That's exactly right. And then once you do it, your yes. step, like for me, it was like the one that always comes to mind because I can still feel it like internally is that like speaking publicly. Yes. So horrible. But a second, so as, a second as I stepped on the stage, it, it was actually over for the most part because 
it just, it, it was what it was, but it was all of the days leading up to it that yes. were the worst. Yeah. And that's the suffering, right? It's yeah. the suffering until you actually go and get on with it. There's this anxiety that causes suffering in a human being. And you can just avoid it if you're just always willing to charge ambush. Now, it doesn't mean you're reckless with that. Like if there's a time to think about things or a time to have the conversation, that's different than, than um, but the majority of time is we're just, we're beating ourselves up over it because we're afraid of some outcome that our minds has have dreamt up that's going to happen when we walk in there and have the conversation, start taking action towards something, you know, write an email or whatever that action is going to be when you put yourself through there. But the best way to live is actually to be able to jump through there because once you're actually through there, that energy that's been holding you down actually removes itself and the, and the clarity actually shows up. And that's the really interesting thing about decisions. The reason why people struggle so much with decisions is because it's not really there. They're actually struggling with the decision they're really just tossing around. How is this going to make me feel based on this decision? And, and that's not really the best way to make a decision. The best way to make a decision is to how to contribute and serve to the moment. But most of us are actually making a decision of how it's going to internally make them feel versus what is the best decision for me to be able to do right here. So if you know, the best decision is to have a conversation with an employee, for instance, right? You not willing to have that conversation is actually hurting the entire organization because you're now you've taken a self, um, uh, a self indexed approach to that because you're like, I don't want to deal with this emotion from it instead of actually just dealing with the situation. That, that reminds me of whether it's a decision or just sometimes when you ask people, you know, what do you want to do or what is it that you want? And they're like, well, I don't really know. Um, I always, I always say, I really truly believe people really do know it's mm-hmm. just they are afraid to say it because of judgment, mm-hmm. other people's opinions, what the outcome might be if they do say it out loud, mm-hmm. like all of, all of that stuff. I mean, sure, I'm sure there are people who don't know, but again, even decisions, most people know what to do. Most people know what they want. It's just the all that other noise and chatter around that that makes it complicated to just say it out loud there's actually been a lot of research on that too right where it's it's the decision that usually is made is the first one the first one that that actually comes to mind because it's not it's almost like when it comes to mind then what you're doing is you're tossing it back and forth of saying okay and it's it's not so we're not saying don't think, right? That's different. Right, right. Thinking through a solution is not the same. And you should all need to hear this and pay attention to this. Thinking through a solution is different than asking the question of how is this decision going to make me personally feel? Mm-hmm. Having a decision of how is this going to interact with life or the business or how it's going to affect our clients or our employees, that's a completely different scenario of using your mind just to going, how am I going to feel based on me personally going to feel from this decision? Right. And, and the, the kind of a, an easy way to look at that is like when people put clothes on every morning, right? Most people know how it feels to put clothes on, but when you're looking in the mirror, right, you're not really looking to see how it feels because <laughs> you already know how it feels. You're looking to see how it looks on you and how it hits your stuff. Meaning like, how do I feel wearing this? Cause I was going to say, wait, but it is, a, it is about feeling. It's about the internal feeling, not the right. actual comfort of what a clothing supposed to do. Oh yes. You mean not, not like a touch, but a, but a, I mean, you kind of put clothes on, you know, if it's yes, exactly. <laughs> you you put clothes on and you know that if it's warm, 
if it's keeping you cold based on the temperature that's outside right. or, or if the clothes are scratchy. Yes, exactly. Is it comfortable? Yeah. You don't need to look in the mirror to find if it's comfortable. What you're really doing is you're looking in the mirror. I did that because I don't really look in the mirror and I happen to look in the mirror today. And I was like, man, I'm looking in the mirror to see actually how this makes me feel. But don't you sometimes look to see how what it looks like? Sure, you can do that. I'm yeah. just my whole point is saying there's nothing wrong with it, right? The whole point is like you just don't get attached to it, because like, if you don't like the way it looks, you instantly go, well, "I can't wear this outfit," even though it's really comfortable. I can't wear it. <laughs> right. But my point is, is like nothing wrong, and you can change your outfit. You can wear the outfit. It, it's irrelevant. But just that's the interaction that we're having with these larger decisions that a lot of times are going on, which is how is this decision going to make me feel? And, and spiritual personal growth is all about letting go of the part of you that is going to be uncomfortable about having the conversation or making the decision or letting go of the outcome. When you're able to let go of the outcome and what you're letting go of, you're not letting go of the result. You're letting go of the result of you, right? Of how you're personally going to benefit or gain from this. Now, there's nothing wrong with setting up contracts to make money, to do those different things. I'm not talking about that. We're, we're, we're going back to that same example of when you charge an ambush, if you're always charging an ambush, there's going to be a lot of uncomfortableness there. And so you're not pausing to be able to see how you're going to deal with it and then not have the conversation because you're unwilling to experience how you're going to feel from it. And if, if you, that's, that's the difference there. So that's what I really took away from that is when you charge the ambush, you actually get into the habit of being uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. In those situations until it works its way through you. And then you start to realize, man, I don't want to keep this in here. Why, why can't I just have the conversation anyways? Why can't I be clear just to have the conversation? The one other thing that I took away from the always charge the ambush was that, um, again, you see the obstacle in front of you, you accept whatever it is, you're accepting that ambush, but then uh, for me, by charging it, you are, you're like, you're taking control mm, of what, good. whatever it is. And rather than retreating yeah. or not knowing what to do, we're running in a different direction. It's you accept it and then you take control Yeah, and you act. Yeah. So what is something that you are, um, avoiding or you smiling? Like you just, <laughs> I was like, are you actually asking no, me? Not I don't asking. know if I want to talk about that. <laughs> no, um, I'm just asking more of the audience, like just as a rhetorical question for you to kind of to think about, like yeah. what is, or even start small, like don't go tackle the big things that you know you're not going to go do, right? Just go, hey, you know what? I'm avoiding calling this client because I don't want to have a price reduction conversation, which by the way, in real estate, in our world, is going to be pretty interesting pretty soon. You know, most people have never had to have price reduction conversations. <laughs> and I just remember the call reluctancy that comes in when you go list a property. And this is going to be so prevalent in real estate in the in the coming well, weeks say, not for a couple of years years at least well it's been three or four years yeah, yeah. and you've had to have really had these conversations at scale right yes. whereas you know and so now it's as you know when a market starts to shift and it's shifting worldwide regardless of where you're listening to this right when the market starts to shift and people are and, and prices are coming down and less home sales are actually occurring then people still want to get top dollar for their homes so they list it and then you have to have the price conversation but what a lot of people do is they're almost like start to get afraid of having those conversations mm -hmm. is they like i should have it today and then you're like i don't want to have it today i'm not feeling that. and it's like tomorrow i should have it yeah. and then you kind of just honestly if people <laughs> i've seen this go on it's like they get to so point where they get so bad they don't even want to call the client have the conversation anymore and they just like, we'll let the listing expire now right. I'm not, they see them in the coffee shop and they go turn the other yeah, way yeah and it's like look that's <laughs> we're, we're we're stretching the story there yeah, a little yeah. bit but people understand the point sure. and there's there's plenty of people that get up and just have the direct conversation right and there's nothing wrong with it if you if you're willing to always let go of the outcome there is no conversation you wouldn't have is Remember it? that the only reason why people will not never have a conversation is because they're afraid of the outcome. If you're never afraid of the outcome, then have the conversation. People don't want to get on the scale. They don't want to look in their bank account. They don't want to have the conversation with their partner. They don't want to have a conversation with their kids. 
about anything right now, like whatever that is for you, it's different for everybody. Some people go, I'll have that conversation with my spouse, but I get in the work and I can't, right? So everyone has a different trigger that's preventing them from taking that action or having that conversation. And it all comes from that you're afraid of the outcome. And what I mean by the afraid of the outcome, not the outcome itself, you're afraid of how the outcome is going to make you personally feel. <laughs> so hence the whole point of doing all of this work, spirituality, business meets spirituality, is that you use business, that part of you that's going to be hurt, let that part go and you become clear to have conversations and deal and interact with life. Are you going to say something? I just oh, I just, yeah, I just wanted to know, like, what, what are you avoiding right now? Anything? Um, no, but, um, there was something I was avoiding like a month ago that I ended up just picking up the phone and having the conversation with. Um, but, uh, it was just one of our folks. I, I just didn't want to deal with the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally I was just like, I'm si-, you know what it came, really came down to was I was like, I'm sick of having this showing back up in my mind space. Yes. I was like, I don't care about the decision. I have to let go of the outcome and I just have to show up for the conversation and see it. Actually, the conversation was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I usually. It is. always is, right? Yeah. And even if it's not, right? It's just, it's, it's there. So it's just, but I got to a point where I was like, why am I, what am I doing? Like, I'm just, this is showing up on a drive home when I'm yeah. about to go be with my family. And now it's taking even a small percent of me away because now I'm having to let go of this while I'm trying to interact with my family instead of showing up there. Right. Or even just like, sometimes I was like justifying to yourself why you don't need to do it right now. And I, again, that's just taking you out of whatever yeah, the present moment is. Totally. And I wasn't even justifying. I was just like, I don't want to deal with it. Like I shouldn't, it's almost more of like, I shouldn't have to be dealing with this. Right. That is not a justification. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it is. Yes. But anyway, <laughs> so it was, it was more of that justification and then it just would, the, the pattern would kind of go on and I was like, I just need to, so I just picked Do the phone it. and called. Um, and, and again, it's never as bad. It, it's the outcome is never what you 99.99% of the time. It's never what people think it is ever, especially the train tracks that your mind is taking you on. Right. Cause once you get involved with that mind clutter of it's telling you like, Oh, this outcome is going to happen. I mean, I mean, how many people like, you know, have gotten sick over the last two years with a sore throat and be like, I've got COVID, right? Like it's yeah. going to be there and you go, you test and you don't have COVID. Right. I mean, think about that. I mean, 75 to 80% of the tests I, I think are negative. Right. So it's yeah, like, but I was going to just say that it's not as simple as saying, Oh no, I think I have COVID. It's uh, totally, Oh no, I think I have COVID. Yeah. And what am I going to, I'm going to be out of work now. Ex- and what am what I going to do? Gonna my do? Kids? Yes. And I have to take the dogs, but I can't take the dogs because I'm stuck at home. And how am I going to get groceries? Yes. And, and then it's like all of this yeah, stuff. That's exactly. Then you're like, then what, then and what then am I going to do? Like, I'm not going to get tested, but then if I don't get tested, I'll do this, right? This yeah, whole yeah. mind chatter goes on, right? Just using that as an example. It's all of those things show up. That's the train that the mind will take you on, right? And so again, there's- How do you w- stop that? Well, you I just- mean, it just happens. Yeah. Well, so there's, there's the three modalities of how you can stop that, right? You can always, number one is you can always replace it with a positive, this positive affirmation, right? It works. Positive affirmation works. So if the mind shows up in there and says, oh man, I really need a new boat. You go, I love my boat or I don't need a boat. Um, or in this case where it's like, oh my God, maybe I, have to pay maybe I do, maybe I don't, right? You just replace it with a, with a positive thought. That is always the first modality, which I is what you're doing. Think of it like as just like redirecting. Yeah, t- totally. Yeah. You can redirect it, whatever word makes sense for you. Just replacing the thought that comes in with a neutralizing thought. That's a way to think of it, right? You're just, you're neutralizing the thought that comes in because if you don't neutralize it, what it's going to do is take you down that train track, mm-hmm. right? And it's going to, next thing you know, you're going to be seven layers deep that you don't even realize where you are and you've been driving for 15 minutes and your mind's gone crazy, right? We've all been there so we mm-hmm. can understand that. So the first is when the, when the thought comes in there, if you, if you can't do the second or third modality, you always go to the first one and just neutralize it. So when a thought comes in there, you can always replace it with something, mm-hmm. right? It, it can be everything like, oh, I need a new job. No, I don't really need a new job. 
right? And then maybe you go into a job, right? It's not that. It's just you're not allowing that thought that just shows up out of nowhere, right? In the case that I was telling you about, I literally, I remember I was driving home and it was perfect out. I was getting around there. And all of a sudden, a thought came in there and I was like, wow, this wave of negative energy showed up in my life. Like, it's showing me like it's basically that little sign that says, let, let go of this, right? That's that charging that ambush. I always charge the ambush, at least in, in my life, to get those things out faster. The second modality of that is always having some level of mantra going on, right? Which is like, and the mantra doesn't have to be a, you know, a Sanskrit word, right? It could, um, but it, it doesn't have to be God or it could be, um, it could be any, it could just be like, I can handle this. I can handle this. I can handle this. Life is great. Life is great, right? I'm whole. It, it's irrelevant. The whole point is you have a mantra kind of going on and if it's going Going on, it's almost like a safety net, and and if you do it long enough, it just kind of exists in the background as almost like a an air conditioner does, uh, or a lawnmower on a Saturday morning that you don't really recognize going on until it stops, and you get that mantra going, and it's just being said softly. So when the mind is trying to be penetrated by the original thought, you layer and you go directly put your consciousness instead of the thought that shows up, you put it on the mantra, and so it's like if if the case was like I can handle this, and it's just like it's going on, so then the thought tries to interrupt your life and it does for a second. And then you just go, I can handle this. I can handle this. And next thing you know, the thought has passed. Mm -hmm. And so now you're back to clarity. So the first one is neutralizing and playing with the energy of the thought. The second one is just kind of more having a background. So it kind of starts to transmute the energy in its, in itself, if you will. Do, do you have a mantra going on? Yeah. It's just kind of going. Constantly? Yes. Yeah. I don't always think about it. It's not like I'm, I'm thinking at all times, but the minute well, I, I do all three, right? But like the minute the minute something comes in, if it's a lighter thing, I just go, I can handle this. That's kind of mine. I just, I can handle this, right? Yeah, but you don't like hear it going. No, constantly. but it's it's in the background. So whenever you need it, it's there. You just pull it. And it's just like, so the minute the thought shows up, that's like, oh man, this is going to be really tough. And it's like, I can handle it. It just shows up instantaneously. I can handle this. And you go, well, there, I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to replace the thought because the, the minute it goes, I can handle this, I can handle this. And then within seconds or a minute or an hour when you're first starting out, it just, next thing you know, it's just gone. gone. And it's, then you're not even thinking about the thinking of the thought. <laughs> it's just now you're back in the moment. And the third one, which is the highest state that you can do, which is really the transmutation of the energy, which is to understand that you're in there and you hear this, the nature of the mind is to produce thoughts. That's the first thing we, we, people need to understand that at the core, the mind is just a thought generating machine. I would say less than 5% of the thoughts are you generating the thought, right? It's like a bubble machine. Sometimes you plug it in. If, if it was plugged in all the time and there's a button, you can generate bubbles. But if the button's already on, it's just generating bubbles. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It just, that's what it's doing. The same thing with the mind. It's just, it's just generates thoughts. That's what it does. And we can get into why it does at a whole other time, but it just generates thoughts, right? I think everyone on this call listening to this can understand that the mind, you can be perfectly fine. The mind just comes up with a thought mm -hmm. <laughs> all the time. Most of them, you just don't pay attention to. That's the funny thing. You're already doing this with most of them. Most of the time, the thought comes in there and if it didn't hit anything within you, it just kind of goes away, doesn't it? You drive mm -hmm. by and you go, oh, you're like, oh, there's a, uh, there's a tree. The tree's not bothering you. So next thing you know, the tree is out of your peripheral and you're not even paying attention to it anymore. But it's only these thoughts that hit something that you've stored. But if the tree is where you, your husband proposed to you, yes, that would be different. Yeah, because you stored a positive experience in there. Yeah. You no longer see just tree. You now have a, a relationship with an object, right? Instead of actually just seeing the things. So it's then the third level is that, again, that, that the willingness to just watch everything. So the mind starts talking and you don't need to neutralize it. You don't even know to go to your mantra. You just watch it pass by. 
even when it hits your stuff, even when it's going ballistic, everyone knows what that means. Like when it's just going and it's raging, mm-hmm. you're just watching it. You're going, look at that thing. Just talk constantly. And at that point, when you do that, you'll feel this almost burning sensation. It just shows up differently for everybody, but it's almost like you feel the energy of that working its way through you and just, it just releases. And the minute you've let it work through, it releases and then that's gone. And then you're no longer having that stored within you. So those are the, the three modalities of that. So, um, letting go of the outcome becomes really important here, but the, the, the kind of mental model, if you want, is that always charge the ambush and just start with small things, right? Start with very small things. Most people are probably, there's a small conversation that you can have, maybe calling your parents, calling a friend, um, getting up when your alarm goes getting off, getting up when your alarm goes something. It can be a whole bunch of things. Just stop avoiding that and just do it. Right. And then that's, that's instead of listening to that. So that's, that can be a charge ambush. The, the second component that I wanted to, um, mention that I really enjoyed that he, uh, discussed was why he was even there in the first place, which was, he believes that his legacy was to, uh, is to, is in, in daily teachings, mm-hmm. uh, which I really, that really hit home with me out of anybody that we had come in there. That was, that was really profound for me. Um, because I, I, it's leaving a legacy isn't about leaving objects or things, right? Those can be part of it. It's wonderful, but really in a hundred, 200, 500 years, nobody's going to know who you are. So like, what legacy are you really leaving? And so I like to look at it as like your legacy becomes your teachings, but not like, I need a thousand people in an audience to teach. Not that I need to be in a position or a job so that my job is teaching and caring. That's wonderful. It is, but your teachings just happen to be on an everyday basis. You're interacting with your family. You're interacting with friends. You're interacting with strangers. There's always an opportunity to teach, right? And I think that becomes your legacy is teaching what you've learned. And that's the whole reason why so many people want to contribute later in life, whether you're in business or whether you're, you're a school teacher or, or you know, whatever per occupation that you've had, at some point people wake up and go, Hey, I want to give this back. It's almost like you're giving, you know, what you've learned so that we are constantly evolving as a, as an organization, as a species, right? So like you're, you're that's part of that, that contribution. So I like to, instead of like, like what's, what is your legacy? I think it's your legacy is in your daily teachings. Um, yeah, there are a couple of thoughts of, about that whole light legacy conversation. I think, well, first of all, I always just think it's interesting no matter who we have speaking. Um, for example, when we had Mike Smith or even recently, um, on one of our calls, we had, um, someone speak and they, it's just, to me, it's always so interesting what things resonate with different people and what, um, meaning people take from different things because for example this whole legacy conversation was i think is super interesting and was obviously very clearly impactful for you um it didn't hit me the same way yeah which i think is really interesting because i always thought legacy was about teaching and and never but you know me i don't usually material things yeah so i never really thought legacy was about how much money you left to your grandkids or how much you know if you donated certain things to a library or to a hospital like that for me, that would never was legacy. It was always, um, kind of like what Mike said. It's just about, it's like a living legacy. It's how do you yeah. live your life? How are you teaching others to become leaders? And that is the legacy yeah. I think. Yeah. I think you're spot on. I mean, I, I didn't, I don't know if I, I, I guess in my head, I guess you're right. If I think about it, I, I always assumed legacy was with accumulation of things and handing that chest yeah. down to people. Yeah, no, I never um, did. 
and I and I and I knew that wasn't right. And I think when he said it, it actually became clearer for me totally. as to what that actually is, um, and how I'm actually trying to live my life, which is these daily teachings. Which which life is that life is your guru, right? We use business means spirituality, but really it's life is spirituality, right? Which is spirituality is is not changing what you do. It's not talking about getting married or having fun toys or buying cars or going on vacations. It's about what part of you is doing it. Well, and and I know we. I just think you can learn so much from history and I'm very much about being present, right? It's not like living in the past. That's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about you can absolutely patterns throughout history, right? And things you can learn from ancient cultures and ancient wisdom and whatever. But that's to me again, also almost like what humanity is in their culture that Mm -hmm. the culture of humans is about teaching and passing down oral stories from one generation to the next. And that's how they learned how to live. Yeah. Hunt, and, gather, and build, yes. and evolve. And then those eventually turned into writings from ancient philosophers and those started being written down. And then that stuff gets started to become passed down. And, and I guess that's always what I just figured it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up a lot of good points and it's even like the podcast is, is all the podcasts that are wonderful people are doing across the world, right. Are all teachings. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, now there's almost everyone's teaching to a certain point, which is wonderful because everyone resonates with different people Oh, exactly. at different times. Right. I mean, that's the, that's the really neat thing. There's different seasons of your life. Um, and one podcast or one episode may resonate with people or the way somebody describes it may resonate. That's the whole, I tell you what really changed for me in terms of learning was when audible came around because I struggle sitting down and reading a book. Like I know you love it. So I know, I know you like both. I know you do, but man, I tell you, I, it, it, I don't know what it was for my nature. What it was, it was, I could do it and I would force myself. But the minute audible came around, was that 12 years ago or some form of audible? I, I think know. it was something before audible doing CDs. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so yeah. I was doing CDs. That's yes, what it was. So yeah. it, was, it was about 10, 12 years ago. And I started doing like CDs and tapes, like really getting into that. And that's when I started consuming it. But now with audible, now it became an exercise or in my car, it was so much easier to be able to bring all this stuff in there. So mm-hmm. content teaching wise allows us, allows people to share their legacy and whether one person listens to it or a hundred million people listen to it, it's almost irrelevant. If somebody is yeah. taking it and better their life, then that's exactly what you're the whole point of it yeah and i know we talk about this all the time but i'm, I'm reading um the book resilience by eric Gratans, something like that he's an ex-navy seal yeah i remember that um so i've never read the book but he includes a lot of philosophy from you know sophocles and aristotle yes the stoics yeah the stoics yes. it's just fascinating to me how much of that is the exact same yeah. of what we talk about. And I'm sure it will still be the exact same that's been talked about hundreds of years. Or maybe, maybe not, yeah. I guess. But I mean, it's just, to me, it's just like, it's just the human experience. Yeah. And it's, but it's just different ways of connecting to different people at different times. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, spirituality in itself, the teachings of spirituality or even teachings of religion, if, if that's your thing, um, is, has changed dramatically. Think about churches nowadays compared to 50 years ago. Right. I mean, and every church is different. So I'm not, yes. I don't go I to church. Say, so I, I'm, I'm not going to hold on. I'm just not going to say that I'm the person to educate people in there. I just know from my mom still goes and she's like, you know, I, when I was growing up, we dressed up and now she's yeah. in jeans and a sweater and wearing and drinking coffee in there and, and, and doing those things. So that's what I mean. Just the, the messaging has been the same. I, I was gonna say the framework and the structure has yeah. evolved a little bit, but I don't, the, I think, I mean, the teachings are the teachings. To- totally. And, and again, I don't, I don't, I don't, I haven't been to church for a while, so I can't be the one to do it, but I just even look at like spirituality, how it's taught. Like it used to be like you go to synagogue or you went to a retreat Mm -hmm. or different things. Now it's like, people are like, well, why do you, that's, you don't need to like, 
just get it on a podcast or yeah. listen to it in a book or go live your life. And that becomes your spiritual path. Not like you need to go in the Himalayas and sit in a cave around a fire sitting, you know, Indian style, um, reciting haikus. Like that's not yeah. the thing that you need to do, but that's the, at least when I, you know, 20 years ago, I had that, in, that, in, that kind of impression that that's what you needed to do to be spirituality or spiritual life. And that's not true. I mean, I like it when Eckhart Tolle talks to me, he's like, I show up at Starbucks every morning. I drink red wine, right? Like it's like, it's, it's, yeah. it, it has nothing to do with he, the fruits of that stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, even he is considered a spiritual teacher, right? Yeah. Is that what you call him? Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I, you know, I consume a lot of content from a, a wide variety of sources and I'm even noticing even just on almost every podcast and these are not spiritual teachers. Yeah. In a for any formal sense, it's just business business leaders, Instagram influencers, like yeah. all the they are they're all saying the same thing too. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just our, the way our culture started begun to evolve, and it's just more um, socially acceptable to have a lot of these conversations. But they're saying a lot of the same things too. It's all about this inner work and about um, I guess inner work is the best way I can yeah. say it. Cause they're not using the word spirituality. They're just saying like yeah. personal growth inner. I mean, that's yeah. all the conversations I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we went, our societies in general went through this whole shift and now it's, it's woken up to realizing that the real work, it's not, it's not about, you know, food became ubiquitous at some point in the last hundred years, right? Things are to a certain extent are becoming relevant and people to be able to grab all over the place, right? Way more. I mean, there's not, a, there wasn't Toys R Us 50 years ago, right? Or a hundred years ago. I'm pretty sure they're, they're in actually in the bankrupt now. Yeah. But so you get my point. Like <laughs> there wasn't an Amazon that was going <laughs> to ship everything to your door in yeah. 15 seconds. Right. So now people have this touch and they realize like, huh, this whole thing of getting things, it's, it's called like being worldly, right? Like going out and trying to change the world, people, places, and things to try to make myself feel okay. It doesn't really work. And now people are using language to kind of pinpoint what that actually is, which is now go do the inner work and then go enjoy everything. Right. That's, the point it's not about renunciation is just as bad as going after something it's not like okay i don't feel good for money so i'm gonna take i'm not gonna have any money coming in there i'm not gonna see it i'm not gonna lose it i'm gonna drive this and then you just develop a spiritual ego about you renunciing everything it's just mm -hmm. as versus just allowing it to to enjoy whatever it is that's actually in front of you so the um we we talked about charging the ambush right and i think part of leaving your legacy right the legacy that you have is uh, could be that teaching of charging the ambush, which is why we're talking about it today. And, and the way we framed this was, you know, first always charge the ambush. So think about that as a little mantra, if you will, in your life or an ethos, if you wanted to put it that way. And then the, the second component would be that legacy side is truly about your daily teachings, your interactions with people, um, and how you show up so that you are, um, constantly improving, uh, people's lives around you, but not for your own personal need to do that. It may feel really good when you contribute. That's wonderful. It may feel really good when you make money. That's wonderful. Those are just experiences. We're not doing any of that as a need because you're not whole and complete. You're already whole and complete. So then your teachings become very clear and you're willing to let go of the outcome, have the decisions and always charge the ambush. Hey, thanks for hanging today and for listening to the show. However, if you are interested in getting a short email from me in your inbox each Tuesday when a new episode drops, Ken, these emails are super short. I just cover whatever I happen to be thinking about each week, whether that's an article or a quote I've shared, a book I've read, or a new product that I'm loving. Plus info on the latest episode of Business Meets Spirituality. If that sounds like something you want to check out, we'd love you to. Just go to adamhergenrother.com forward slash email.